making an impact for God. Handling what comes our way, what we have, what it ours for His glory and for His kingdom. Next several weeks, we're going to be looking at Joseph, thinking about him, thinking about his stewardship of life. Now, stewardship is the idea is someone who is a, a manager. He, he manages something that belongs to someone else. It might be a business. Uh, it might be a household. It, you might think of a butler as a, a steward of the household. You might think of your financial advisor, uh, stockbroker, as someone who's you know, managing your portfolio. Yeah. Someone who has something that belongs to someone else and strives to take care of it is a steward. And we are to be stewards. Bible mentions being a steward in several places. In Luke 12, Jesus said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. And then Simon Peter wrote, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Serving others. Taking what we have. A lot of times we think about stewardship as money, and it does involve that. But stewardship also involves other things. Our time, our talents, our energy, the things that happen to us in life. How do we manage them? Joseph sets us a good example. You see, Joseph proved to be a good steward of the challenges that came his way, of the problems that came his way. And when you go back and look at Joseph's life, he had some challenges, didn't he? Now, let's think about some of those challenges. The first challenge at first didn't seem to be one. Joseph was the favorite son. He was the child of the favored wife when there were four wives. He was born to his father at his father's old age. He was the father's favorite. And to show that, his father had him made a special robe. Now, boy, I bet Joseph felt good about that. You know, boy, I'm daddy's favorite. Man, I've got the best spot. Look at how daddy's dressed me. He hadn't dressed others like he's dressed me. I am something special. Made him feel real good. But it was still a challenge. You see, he had 11 brothers. Ten of them were older. And they weren't too excited about Joseph being the special one. If you've got your Bibles, look at Genesis chapter 37, verses 3 and 4. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made him a richly ornamented robe. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. He had the challenge, family animosity. And 
some things happened that made it worse. He had a couple of dreams. In one dream, he and his brothers were out, you know, gathering in the grain, and he said, my bundle of grain stood up straight, and, and your bundles bowed down to mine. Well, you can imagine how the brothers felt about that. And then he had another dream. He said, you know, the sun, moon, and stars were bowing down to me. And even his father said, are, are your mother and I going to bow down to you, all your brothers? Come on, son. Well, that challenge led to a bigger challenge. When Joseph was 17, his brothers had the flocks. They had been feeding the flocks. They were wandering around like the nomads that they were. And they would gotten away before the father didn't know where they were. So they sent Joseph to see about them. Well, they saw young Joseph coming. And when they looked up and saw him coming, they said, Aha, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. And one of the brothers said, no, no, don't, don't, don't kill him, don't kill him. Let's, let's figure out something else to do with him. So we showed up there, and they roughed him up a little bit, snatched that fancy coat off of him, thought about killing him, but thought, well, maybe not. So they stuck him down in a cistern, the hole in the ground where you can store water. Didn't have any water in it at the time. Just put him down in there, and then sat around and ate. Imagine being half stripped naked, beaten up a little bit, thrown in a hole in the ground, and your family who did this are there, you know, just acting like nothing's happened, having a nice picnic while you're down in the hole in the ground. Interesting passage over in chapter 42. You don't need to turn to it, just listen. Later on, when the problems came back to haunt the brothers. This is what one of them said. We saw how distressed Joseph was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. Domestic violence is always hard to take because those who should be accepting you and loving you are rejecting you and hurting you. And yet, Joseph experienced that. Well, while he was down in that hole, they looked up and saw some, you know, Midianites or uh, Ishmaelites, some, some one, one time and one another, but they were merchants. And they said, hey, wait a minute. No use to kill Joseph and have our brother's blood on our hands. Let's sell him to these Midianites. We can make a quick buck out of that. So they drug him up out of the hole, sold him to the Midianites. Midianites carried him off to Egypt, and there sold him as a slave. Wow. Quick change. One day you wake up, you're the father's favorite son. The next morning you wake up, and you're a slave in a stranger's house in a foreign land. Good gracious. What a challenge. Well, Joseph tried to make the best out of it. The man who bought him was named Potiphar. He was an official in Egypt. He had a position in standing there. So Joseph must have thought to himself, well, I'll see what I could do for this man. And then he started to work. And he worked so well that Potiphar thought, man, this boy's got it together. And so he put him in charge of the whole household. He was literally a manager. And everything was going really well. And Potiphar was really pleased with him. But there was something else good about Joseph that just didn't work out for the best. You see, the Scripture says that Joseph was handsome and well-built. He was hot. 
And Potiphar's wife noticed. And so she kept saying, hey, Joseph, come to bed with me. Potiphar's not around. Put yourself in Joseph's position. Here you are, a young man. No prospects of getting married. And here's this woman. And she's making you an offer. And you're thinking, I'm just a slave. Why in the world, man, that, you know, this is kind of flattering. And he might have also thought, well, it's about time I got a break. You know, after all, my brothers hated me. They sold me off as a slave. I've been working hard for Potiphar. Maybe things are going to turn up a little bit better here. Here was a real temptation. And, And to make it worse, it went on day after day after day. She really wanted Joseph. But Joseph kept saying no. Joseph kept refusing. Joseph kept turning away from the temptation. Chapter 39, verses 8 and 9, it tells us why. It says, but he refused. He said to her, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. In other words, Joseph was saying, Potiphar made me a manager. I've done a good job for him. I am going to be loyal to my master. I'm not going to sin against him in this way. I'm not going to take advantage of the position he has put me in. And then notice what else he said right there at the end of verse 9. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God. Somewhere along the line, somebody had taught Joseph about God and about God's righteousness and about what God expects of us. You see, sexual sin, like any sin, is a sin against God. It's He that's made us. It's He that set the rules. It's His plan. When we sin, we sin against a holy God. And despite the enticement of that temptation, Joseph wouldn't do that. Joseph was a good steward. He was a good steward of his body. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 6 says. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You were not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Joseph honored God with his body. He was a good steward of his body. He was a good steward of his morals. He did the right thing. He was a good steward of his obedience unto God because he was going to live to please God no matter how hard it was. So Joseph was doing the right thing and Mrs. Potiphar wasn't buying it. She was still after him. 
Day after day, she waited for an opportunity. One day, all of the other servants were out of the house. Joseph had to go into the house. She saw her chance. She grabbed his robe, said, come on to bed with me. He jumped out of that robe, took off at the door. Well, you know what they say about a woman spurned. And so she had had it with Joseph. And so she held on to that robe, screamed bloody murder. The other servants came running. And she accused Joseph of the very thing she had been attempting. Listen to what it says in 39, beginning with verse 16. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought to us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Joseph did just the right thing. Joseph did the moral thing. Joseph obeyed God. And what happened? He ended up in prison. Total injustice. Well, Joseph thought, here I am in prison. One very pleasant being in prison. The, the writer to the Psalms later said they put his feet in shackles and his neck in irons. But he made the best of it, and he started doing what he could around that prison, and the, and the warden took notice. And the warden made him what I guess we'd call today a trustee. And he was so good at what he was doing that pretty soon Joseph was just about running the prison because the warden saw his ability and what he was able to do. And then, then, maybe an opportunity because two men were put in prison who were servants of Pharaoh himself, his cupbearer and his baker. Evidently, Joseph got to know them. They got to know Joseph. They had dreams the same night. And Joseph was able to interpret their dreams and tell the baker that it wasn't going to be good for him. He was going to lose his life and tell the cupbearer that he was going to be restored to serve Pharaoh. And, and he said to that cupbearer, when you get out, when you go back to serving Pharaoh, tell him about me and my situation. Finally, an opportunity. Finally, what he was able to maybe get out of there. But look at chapter 40, verse 33. The cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Still left in prison. How do you think he felt? How would you have felt? How do you feel when the challenges of life keep piling up? when things just never seem to get any better. When maybe because of your own bad decisions, you end up at a, at a, at a spot you don't want to be in. Maybe because of someone else's failures. Maybe because of someone else's injustice. You get caught up and the challenge just keeps being there and you don't know what you're going to do about it. You don't know if things are ever going to get any better. 
Maybe you feel like the psalmist felt. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? You ever feel that way? You ever feel as if God has turned His face away from you? You ever feel that He doesn't see and He doesn't care anymore? You ever feel just forsaken? Jesus felt that way. He had good reason to. One of His disciples betrayed Him. Another one denied Him. The rest ran off and left Him. He was put through a rigged trial. They spit on Him. They hit Him. They beat Him. They, they carried Him to the Roman governor who should have made justice happen and didn't. And they ended up nailing Him to the cross and still mocked Him while He was hanging there. No wonder he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? When you feel forsaken, Jesus understands. Because he has felt the same way. Well, back to Joseph. Joseph had to face the challenge of his father's mistakes. Because you don't show that much partiality to one child over another, and you don't send the boy who the brothers hated off to see about the brothers if you've been attuned to what's really going on in the family. Joseph had to contend with his brother's abuse. Joseph had to contend with the temptation of a wayward wife. Joseph had to contend with being thrown into prison for doing the right thing. How did he meet those challenges every time he faced them? How was he able to do that? Listen to what the Scripture says. Chapter 39, Genesis, verse 2. This was after he was sold as a slave. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And then verse 20, but while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. God was with Joseph. Understand something. God didn't get Joseph out of the trouble. Not to begin with. He had to stay there. But the Scripture does say God was with him in the midst of the trouble. With him in the midst of the trouble. And that's something that biblical characters had to learn. And God helped them to learn it over and over again. Joseph's father, Jacob, Remember when he had deceived his father to get the blessing and his brother got mad at him and he was running for his life over to his uncles and back in Haran? He was out in the middle of nowhere. 
And God came to him and said, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Joshua learned it. On the verge of trying to go against the promised land with all the fortified cities there, Moses, the leader, was dead. Joshua's going to have to take on the task. God came to Joshua and said, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. David knew it. Because David said, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Isaiah knew it. He had evidently experienced it. God said, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, for I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, Behold, I am with you always. The writer to the Hebrews reminded us, Never will God fail you. Never will He forsake you. God is with us. With us. All the time. The way may be hard. The night may be long. The, the, the road may be steep and rough, but you do not walk alone. God is with you. God cares. God is working out things for good, even in the midst of the difficult things that we face. You know the verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. doesn't say everything's good. Everything wasn't good for Joseph. But God was working in the midst of him. You know the rest of the story, don't you? Finally, Pharaoh had a dream. And the cupbearer remembered Joseph when no one could interpret that dream. You know how old Jacob, Joseph was when that happened? 30. All of that, this mess started when he was 17. He was 30 before he got his break. But then the break came. And he went to Pharaoh. He interpreted his dream. He suggested Pharaoh make someone, you know, in charge of preparing for the famine that was going to come. Pharaoh and his official says, man, this young man is going to be the one. They chose him. He was put second in command of Egypt. He got a wife. He had two boys by her. He was able to be reunited with his family. He was able to save Egypt from the famine that would have come, save other places as well, save his family as well. And he could come down after all of these things had taken place, after all of these things had happened. And in a conversation with his brothers, he could say to them about what had happened, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done 
the saving of many lives. That's the way it worked with Jesus too. The mocking and the insults and the crucifixion has resulted in the possibility of the saving of all who will come to God through Christ. Because of Jesus, our sins can be forgiven and we can be given eternal life. So, life's challenges, they come to us, don't they? They come to us many times in many ways. We have to face the challenges. Sometimes we don't even know when they're going to come. But when they come, remember some things. Remember, first of all, life is not fair. It just isn't. It's not always going to be fair. It's not always going to be easy. Don't let that trip you up. Don't let the bad things that happen determine who you're going to be or what you're going to strive to be able to accomplish. Don't take the easy way out by giving the end to temptation because that's going to short sidetrack what God is trying to do. What if Joseph had given in to Potiphar's wife? He might have never ended up in prison, and if he hadn't ended up in prison, he might have never had the opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Don't get sidetracked by temptation. It might look good on the surface, but it's going to mess you up in the long run. Don't give up. Keep on. Keep on. Keep on because you have faith in God. Keep on because you believe that He is a God who cares about you. He made you. He loves you. If you are a believer... He's there with you. He's not going to fail you or forsake you as His child. Remember that He's with you. He hasn't deserted you. He is with you. And He is working for good. He's the God who is able to do just with us what He did with Jacob. Take all of the junk that comes into our lives and use it to make a real impact on this old world that greatly needs it. Remember these things as you face the challenges of life.